Welcome to today's podcast. It's good to be with you. For those of you that watched the last podcast we did, we had a special Beneath the Dirt presentation, uh, a tour, you might say, of uh, Moses' outdoor wilderness temple. It was a, it was a great uh, a great podcast. If you hadn't had a chance to see this, you you need to tune this in and watch it. We had an opportunity to tour through this uh, uh, replicated uh, temple of Moses's and learn all about it. It was very good. And then, as promised, I have a special beneath the dirt uh, presentation for you today. I've entitled it "Egypt: Tombs and Temples." I've spent. Uh, quite a bit of time in Egypt, it seems, over the last month or so, and I'd like to share with you some of what I saw and experienced. For those of you that will never get the chance to go to Egypt, perhaps this will be of interest to you. So, uh, a special Beneath the Dirt, Egypt, Tombs and Temples. This is the the Nile River at uh, sunset uh, in Cairo. It is beautiful. Cairo is a very modern, western-type city, at least the heart of Cairo is, and it's uh, very beautiful to see the the sunset over the Nile. Cairo, as you can see, is in what is referred to as as Lower Egypt, um, although we may sometimes think that's Upper Egypt. The Nile flows from the south to the north, of all things, and into the Mediterranean, and so we call the Cairo area um, Lower Egypt, whereas Aswan and up near the Sudan border is is referred to as Upper Egypt. So we're going to begin in Cairo. Very near Cairo, about four miles to the west, is is the town of Giza. It's in Giza where you're going to find the Great Pyramid. Cheops, which is Greek, or Khufu, Khufu's tomb, is what is in the Great Pyramid of Giza. The Great Pyramid was built in the 26th century B.C. over a 27-year period of time. This is a picture taken from the early 1900s, and you can see the inundation or flooding of the Nile River. And uh, anciently, at the time of the pharaohs, the Nile was actually even closer than this to the pyramids. Today, because of the, uh, the Great Dam, or the High Dam, as it's referred to, Um, they now control the flooding, so there is not this inundation and flooding of the Nile as there was, as there was anciently. I have an opportunity to, to go into the, the Great Pyramid, Khufu's Pyramid. Uh, this is the entrance. It's about 20, 30 feet up the side of the, of the pyramid. Uh, you hike up the stone blocks and, and you go in through uh, this entrance here on my left. On the right is some of the narrow channels you have to traverse to actually get to where the sepulcher or sarcophagus of Khufu was at. This is a very difficult climb actually. Not so much going through the narrow corridors as I've shown on the right, but you end up on all fours, literally crawling uphill. Um, I might add that my uh, my legs were sore for some four days um, because of this particular climb. But it was worth it because once you're up there, you get a chance to see where the sarcophagus of Khufu lay in the Great Pyramid. You can see the size of these blocks as I look up the, uh, up the uh, side of the pyramid. In Egypt, you, uh, you, you travel by camel. You really did. 
on a number of occasions. I was on camel when I was in Egypt. I'm now on the fringe of the Sahara Desert, and in the background, of course, are the three pyramids, and some mastabas, some small pyramids down below, and then you see Giza, and then Cairo in the background. Um, this particular uh, little video gives you some idea of a, a viewpoint from the Sahara looking back towards the city. The temples really are on the fringe of the desert. This uh, little statue, the little, the little man here is, is Khufu. It stands only 2.9 inches tall and is the only known statue of the great builder of the pyramid, Khufu. The placard says the statuette of King Cheops, which is Greek for, for Khufu, was found in Abydos in 1903. The name of Horus, with whom this great monarch was identified, appears on the right side of the throne. When the statuette was excavated, three weeks lapsed between the discovery of the head and the body. So this is all we have relative to the builder of the Great Pyramid. Now the Sphinx is the oldest known monumental sculpture in Egypt and one of the most recognizable statues in the world. Now the archaeological evidence suggests that it was created by the ancient Egyptians of the Old Kingdom during the reign of a pharaoh by the name of Khafre. Khafre. And that would be around 2558 to 2532 BCE. When you're in Giza and you have an opportunity to stay for a couple of days, you get to, to go in the evening to see the pyramids and uh, you get to witness the laser show that they have, which is quite spectacular. It was something that I really enjoyed. From Cairo, I am now going to fly to Aswan. Aswan is going to be two-thirds the way down the Nile in what is referred to as Upper Egypt. And as I look out, of, out the window over the land, I see the massive lake, Lake Nasser, that has been created by the High Dam. This particular lake is 341 miles long and 22 miles wide, covering over 2,000 acres. It was just massive. This is the High Dam. This is kind of a funky picture taken. It's uh, just wanted you to get a feel for it. The High Dam was created in 1971 to control again the inundation or the flooding of the Nile downstream. And so the High Dam is, is what I flew over and uh, it is uh, very, very impressive. And this is all near Aswan. This is where I went from Cairo the top of the screen to Aswan, literally uh, to the bottom of the screen. In Aswan, I had an opportunity to visit the Philae Temple. The Philae Temple. Now, this is the way it looks today, but in 1960, it was near underwater. Almost underwater. From 1977 to 1980, the Philae Temple was literally moved to a different island so that uh, it could be maintained, so that you'd have an opportunity to tour through it. Otherwise, again, because of Lake Nasser and the backing up of the water, this particular temple would be underwater. This is the Philae Temple today and the island that it sits on. To get to the island, you take a motorboat from the mainland, from there in Aswan, out to the island to, uh, to then tour through the temple. The temple is dedicated to the goddess Isis. The Philae Temple was built in 
280 BCE, and it was built during the reign of Ptolemy II. Now, these are the Egypt's Grecian Roman period. The Temple of Isis at Philae is dedicated to Isis, Osiris, and Horus. The temple walls contain scenes from Egyptian mythology of Isis bringing Osiris back to life and then giving birth to Horus and the mummifying of Osiris after his death. So it's all about these three individuals, Isis, Osiris, and Horus. I'm going to board now a boat. I chose to board the MS Premium, and this is where I'm going to, uh, to live for four or five days as I, as I cruise the Nile looking at these various sites. It's not a cruise ship, but it was a, it was a nice ship. Had a swimming pool on top and, and uh, a, a place to gather and a beautiful lobby and, and nice rooms. When I was in Aswan, I took an opportunity to take a motorboat and go down and visit a Nubian village. Nubians are the people who live along the, along, the, along the Nile, and they were very, very friendly. I made some really good friends. They had a pet crocodile down in the bottom corner that you can see down there, and this particular crocodile is, is literally worshipped. The crocodile god is Sobek, and it was worshipped by the ancient Egyptians. I really enjoyed my opportunity to visit with these Nubian friends. From Aswan, I'm going to take a jeep now, and I'm going to go 175 miles south, very near the Sudan border, to visit a place called Abu Simbel. Abu Simbel. And you can see it down there at the very bottom with the map. We just about left Egypt. This site is dedicated to Ramses II and his great wife, or most beloved wife, Nefertiti. And uh, you can see the layout, how the Egyptians would, would make these great temples. Is They literally put a diagram of how they wanted to have it cut out and then proceeded from them. There, they were great uh, engineers and, and architects, literally. The, uh, the twin temples were originally carved out of the mountainside in the 13th century BC during the 19th dynasty reign of Pharaoh Ramses II. And they're going to serve as a lasting monument to him and his wife Nefertari. And on the left hand side you see the dedicated uh, temple for Ramses and on the right is Nefertari. But like Philae, this particular site is going to be underwater. And unless something were to happen, uh, the only way you could visit this site is in, in scuba gear and, and go underneath lake, the lake to, to see the site. But during the uh, years of 1964 through 1968, this entire site was moved literally moved. You can see them cutting out the face of Ramses here, removing his legs, cutting the mountain literally into chunks and blocks and squares, and then moving it to a new mountain to be preserved so that it didn't end up under the lake. Um, it was an incredible feat. cost over $1.7 billion to save this particular site once the Great Dam uh, was put into place and the creation of Lake Nasser happened. So this is the relocation mountain. Inside the Temple of Ramses had an opportunity to see lots of interesting things. This particular short video shows Ramses offering various offerings to the god Horus, the falcon god. <laughs> 
<coughs> you can see Ramses in each scene kneeling before Horus and offering various kinds of things. Grain, beer, bread, alabaster, linen, all kinds of things. You're going to find Ramses in a lot of the temples in Egypt. He, he really liked himself a lot. Okay, I wanted to give you an idea of what these look like from the lake. So this is Lake Nasser and looking back at uh, the um, Abu Simbel and the temple dedicated to Ramses and Nefertari on the, on the right hand side. From here I'm going to uh, sail down the Nile now and I'm going to Kom Ombo. Komombo. And uh, this particular site has a very, very interesting temple. The temple at Komombo is an unusual double temple. In the town of Komombo in Upper Egypt, near Aswan is where the site is. It was constructed during the Ptolemaic dynasty. You're talking about 180 to 50 BC or thereabouts. The building of this particular site is really unique because of its double design, meaning that there are courts, halls, sanctuaries, and rooms that are duplicated for two sets of gods for this temple. The southern half of the temple was dedicated to the crocodile god Sobek, while the northern part of the temple was dedicated to the falcon god Horus. These are actually mummified remains of Nile River crocodiles that were worshipped at the time. This is an interesting scene here. You see the coronation and the anointing of the Ptolemaic king uh, during this particular uh, 180 to 47 BCE. On the left-hand side is the anointing, and you can see uh, Anubis and Horus anointing the Ptolemaic king or pharaoh. And on the right-hand side is this coronation. This particular site also had some very, very interesting hieroglyphics, and I'm very interested in hieroglyphics. My entire two-and-a-half-year uh, COVID scene was spent studying and understanding and being able to translate hieroglyphics. These particular hieroglyphics that I'm showing you are unique because they display surgical instruments. We do not give the Egyptians credit. They were extremely knowledgeable, perhaps because of Abraham, maybe Joseph, or maybe Moses. You see displayed here a tenaculum, which is four slips, that'll be on the far left-hand side, spoons, pincers, drills, oil and fire, knives, a boring device of some sort, a saw, tuning fork, and a clue star, or an enema device, is what's on the far right-hand side. So it's very fascinating to see these actually etched into the stone. I then pursued on to Edfu, and Edfu has an interesting temple there also that I'm going to share with you. Uh, this is a picture of the Edfu temple uh, in 1956. And uh, the temple was built during the, the Ptolemaic reign, or the Ptolemaic kingdom, which was 237 to 57 BC. So again, a very fascinating and dominant feature in the, in the countryside. This particular temple is dedicated to Horus. 
Horus is the falcon god, the god of kingship, and the god of the sky. Um, at this particular temple, Horus, again the god of the sky, marries Hathor, the goddess of love. You can see the two of them below. They came together by boat, and you can see the boats. They're called, they're called Menjits, or the boat of a million years. They brought Hathor and Horus together for their marriage at this particular site. There's some really interesting astronomical signs on the ceilings of the Edfu Temple. Again, astronomy was really important, played a really important role in the history of Egypt, perhaps thank you to Abraham. And this is a, a fascinating scene. This is Horus uh, as he defeats uh, Seth. Seth is the god of chaos. And Seth is depicted right in the middle of your, your picture there as a hippo. Not a very, yeah, it's not a very flattering picture to be depicted as a, as a hippo. But you need to understand the mythology of Isis, Osiris, and their son Horus, and how he gets into this, this battle with, um, with Seth, who is his uncle, and ultimately defeats him. This is the Holy of Holies, or the altar of Horus, inside the temple there at Edfu. You know, going down the, the Nile, you can't help but be just taken by its beauty. And the Nubian villages that are along the, the Nile are just incredible. It's so peaceful, and it's such a part of their everyday life that you're just, uh, you're just taken by its, by its beauty. Well, next on my agenda was to visit Luxor. As you can see, we're headed down, down the Nile. And at Luxor, the temple at Luxor hasn't changed much. The picture on the left is a 19, uh, excuse me, 1870 picture of the Luxor temple. And my picture, as of just a few weeks ago, they look very, very much the same. This is the entrance to the Luxor temple flanked by large monuments, again, dedicated to Ramses, uh, the man who really, really liked himself a lot. And uh, they're incredible, they're breathtaking. Baboons sit at the bottom. Baboon was a vicious animal, worshipped by the Egyptians for its, uh, their power and strength. Unlike the other temples in Thebes, the Luxor Temple is not dedicated to uh, a cult god or a version of a pharaoh in death. Instead, the Luxor Temple is dedicated to the rejuvenation of the kingship. It actually may have been the place where pharaohs of Egypt were actually crowned. To the rear of the temple are chapels built by Amenhotep III of the 18th dynasty and Alexander. Other parts of this particular temple are built by Tutankhamun or Ramses II. And there's also an active archaeological park in part of this temple complex. On the right hand you see where they're trying to collect pieces of stone they're finding that have hieroglyphics and inscriptions on them and piece them together with the drawings that are that are there on the wall of the pharaohs. It's quite quite fascinating. Uh, this particular temple there in, in Luxor is a temple of columns. There are 74 standing columns in the Luxor temple which is really, really impressive. You can't talk about the Luxor Temple without talking about its sister temple, two miles away, the Karnak Temple. Uh, 
This boat, this boat would bring the king from the Karnak Temple two miles away down the Avenue of Sphinxes to the Luxor Temple for what is called the Sed Festival. The Sed Festivals were jubilees celebrated after the rule of a pharaoh for 30 years. And then every three or four years after that, they primarily were held to rejuvenate the pharaoh's strength and stamina while he was still serving on the throne. It celebrated the continued success of the, of the pharaoh. So you have these two temples that are actually very, very close to one another. This is the Avenue of the Sphinx, two miles long from the Karnak Temple to the Luxor Temple. Now I had an opportunity to, uh, to get on board a balloon and take some aerial photography of the Valley of the Kings and the Valley of the Queens, which is actually very, very close to, to Luxor. Um, this particular video shows us with many, many balloons doing the same thing, but it was not, uh, not something I was going to miss. I wanted to make sure I had aerial photography of the Valley of the Kings. For those of you who have never ridden in a balloon, it is quite an interesting experience. next little video I'm going to share with you is a video that will show you the Valley of the Queens and the Valley of the Kings. But notice the striking comparison between the very, very rich, fertile fields that adjoin the Nile versus the barren, desolate, wasteland desert that's just so very, very close. Get a chance to see this. I'll point the Valley of the Queens and the Valley of the Kings out to you. Plush, rich uh, Nile, Nile Valley, and then not far from there, just a mile or two away, you start into the barren wasteland of the desert. And you'll see Hatchapus Temple right there. That's the Valley of the Queens up in that area. And not far and just around the corner is the Valley of the Kings. I'll show you more detail on that just a little bit later. This is the Valley of the Kings, upper right portion of the video right there. That road takes you right up to it. Got some wonderful pictures and video. Again, the barren wasteland versus the plush green fertile 
um, Nile River. So there you have the two, the Valley of the Queens and Valley of the Kings. Now this particular map of the Valley of the Kings is really quite fascinating. I had an opportunity to visit four different sites in the Valley of the Kings. Uh, I visited KV or King Valley, KV7, that's Ramses II. I went to KV62, which is Tutankhamun's tomb. KV35, Amenhotep II. And then KV14, uh, Tassert's tomb. There is current archaeology going on there. I came across a number of digs being sponsored by various universities throughout the world that were digging in the Valley of the, uh, of the Kings. This is uh, Tassert's uh, tomb or KV-14, beautiful straight-line tunnel tomb with colored hieroglyphics on the side and then his sarcophagus you can see on the right at the end of the tunnel. This is KV, again, Kings Valley 62. This is King Tutankhamun's tomb. This is um, a descending tunnel tomb with the sarcophagus on the left there at the, at the bottom. Um, I had an opportunity to see Tutankhamun. He is housed in his tomb under glass. That's him. But he's housed there only for a, another short period of time. His, uh, he's going to be moved, actually, to the Grand Egyptian Museum, which is going to be incredible, I might say, which is going to open in the fall of 2022. And that's where you're going to find all of the incredible mummies and uh, sites, literally, of Egypt. I can't wait to get back to Egypt to see this uh, perhaps next year. So, to take common. Well, next on my list was to go uh, down the street to the Karnak Temple and take a, a look at the Karnak Temple. The Karnak Temple... Uh, is, is really interesting. It's a complex. It's comprised of a lot of decaying temples and pylons, chapels, and other buildings. Construction at this complex began during the reign of Senerset, Senerset I. That would be 1971 to 1926 BC in the Middle Kingdom and continued into the Ptolemaic Kingdom period of 300 to 30 BCE. The area around Karnak was the ancient Egyptian Epit Eset, which means the most select of places, and is the main place for the worship of the god Amun. It was really a fascinating place to visit. It is a temple of columns and a temple of stelae everywhere you turn. It's very, very fascinating and very, very interesting. From there, I went to Memphis and then on to Saqqara. These are some of the last places I visited on my, on my research and my trip to Egypt. The city of Memphis was founded by King Mems. It was the capital of ancient Egypt during the Old Kingdom. You're talking 3000 to 2000 BC and remained an important city throughout ancient Egyptian history. During the golden age of this city, Memphis thrived as a regional center for commerce, trade, and religion. Memphis was believed to be under the protection of the god Ptah the patron of craftsmen. Its great temple, Hut Kaptah, the enclosure of the Ka, or the soul of Ptah, was one of the most prominent structures in the city. Memphis's eventual downfall is believed to have been due to the loss of economic significance in the late antiquity following the rise of Alexandria, 
Today, the ruins of the former capital offer fragmented evidence of its past. Along with the pyramid complex of Giza, they've been preserved as a World Heritage Site since 1979. It literally is an open-air museum. There you would find not a standing, but a lying uh, statue of Ramses. Also, you find the only known alabaster sphinx of this size. I'll read this to you. It's hard to read, but it's interesting. Sphinxes are often guards or protectors of ancient Egyptian sacred places. Some represent kings or pharaohs with the human faces attached to the body of a lion. That animal recognizes the ultimate symbol of power. In this case, we don't know which pharaoh is represented here because there are no inscriptions on the monument. However, some theories suggest that it may even be Queen Heshaphat. The Sphinx was unearthed in 1912 by Flinders Petrie. It is found in the very site that I was standing at this particular day. It is one of the largest monuments ever made of Egyptian alabaster. Very fascinating. Again, this is Memphis. Well, this is Memphis today. Scattered blocks of the ruins of the city. There's a lot of work yet to do in Memphis. <clears throat> Saqqara is an Egyptian village in Giza that contains ancient burial grounds of Egyptian royalty, serving as the necropolis for the ancient Egyptian capital, Memphis. Saqqara contains numerous pyramids, including the Step Pyramid of Dejasser sometimes referred to as the step tomb, and a number of mastaba, or small tombs. Saqqara contains the oldest complete stone building complex known in history. The Pyramid of Djoser, built during the 3rd dynasty, you're talking 2650 to 2550 BC, 16 other Egyptian kings built pyramids at Saqqara, which are now in various states of preservation. High officials added private funeral monuments to this necropolis. It remains an important complex for non-royal uh, burials and cults in this particular area, dating as, as far back as 3,000 years ago. If I had my choice of any place that I would like to do archaeology today, it would be at Saqqara. Saqqara is home to the 4,700-year-old Step Pyramid of Djoser, Egypt's oldest surviving pyramid. That's about 200 years older than the more famous pyramid at Giza. The site was used as burial grounds for more than 3,000 years. So let's go in the Step Pyramid of Djoser. By the way, all those still to protect the roof of the tunnel to the main shaft. So you have, a, you have a horizontal shaft going into the heart of the pyramid where you're going to find a 90-foot vertical shaft that Dejasser's tomb and sarcophagus lay at the bottom of. It's, it's overwhelming. I don't know if you can believe it or not. Watch that. Good grief. That is the sarcophagus of the king where he put his body inside. Oh my goodness. 
That's very, very fascinating tune, to say the least. Now, I want to share this with you. I want to talk to you a little bit about a surdab. So let me take you to the back of the pyramid. And at the back of the pyramid is a little hole that is drilled, and it's called a surdab. The surdab was a sealed off room in the tomb in which a statue of the deceased was placed. These statues were vessels the soul could inhabit. Dejasser's surdab is located here on the north side of the step pyramid in front of an open court dedicated to it. A statue depicting the king wearing the said festival robe was discovered inside. Well, just as the step pyramid is the oldest ancient Egyptian monumental stone structure, so is this statue the first large stone statue. The original is currently in the Egyptian Museum. The one you see here is a duplicate. Two holes made through the wall directly facing the king, king's gaze allowed the king then to peer through and see the rituals and festivals taking place in the court before him. These holes also allowed the king to look north, the cardinal point towards which his entire pyramid complex is oriented. This is the location of the circumpolar stars in the northern sky, his ancestors, whom he hoped to join. These stars never set below the horizon, which was seen as a sign of immortality. The Josser was thus poised to join his forefathers in everlasting life. I find that a very fascinating thing. It's called a surdab. Going to take and review now with you some of the gods we've uh, re we've talked about and and wrap up our uh, our little tour of of Egypt. Amun Ra, the sun god. Anubis. Anubis was the god of embalming or the underworld. Atam Ra or Atam Re, a creator, sun god. You have the goddess of war, which is Basid or Bas. And then Hathor, the goddess of love. We talked a lot about Horus, the god of kingship and the sky. Isis, one of the main three or four gods, the goddess of healing and magic. Ah, here's that wicked guy, Seth the goddess of chaos and the desert, and another one of the main gods, Osiris, the god of the underworld. We talked about Ptah, the creator god of craftsmen. Sobek, military power, remember he was the crocodile god, and Mat, the goddess of truth. These gods are all found everywhere you go as you tour the temples and tombs of Egypt. Egypt is a land of wonder, a land of mystery, a land forgotten. But let us not forget, Egypt is where it all started. And there's a real tie to Egypt and our Old Testament study with Abraham, Joseph, and Moses. Thank you for joining me. I hope you've enjoyed our tour of Egypt. Next time we meet, I've got uh, something a little special again planned. Um, haven't quite got back to our curriculum and our study of, of the Old Testament. I'm going to still stay with our theme of Egypt because I'm going to bring you something very, very special I brought home with me from Egypt. And I'm going to get you caught up to date on any archaeological evidences up through, I believe we're about at Ruth, and uh, share with you some of those things too. So uh, stay tuned for another special and very unique podcast next time we meet. Again, thank you for joining us.